The following program is being brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to the Climate Opportunity. My name is Beth Green, and I am going to be your host today, and I also have a co-host, Dr. Grant Dean. Grant, would you like to say hello? Hello, this is Grant Dean. <laughs> we have a fantastic panel uh, that who are going to share with us a lot of really important information and who are also going to give us lots of hope and hopefully a sense of direction for what we can do to contribute to a bettering of our conditions here on the planet. I think we've all noticed that there is global warming. Is there anybody who hasn't noticed that there's been climate change? (laughs) I don't know. I'm living in Oregon right now. Boy, when I lived here 16 years ago, it was a different world. And uh, it's kind of scary. And I think a lot of us are feeling that. You know, there's freak storms. There's drought in California. Some places are sinking because the water is rising. Some places are sinking because there's no water. And it's kind of a scary time, don't you think, in the history of our planet. And a lot of people have been warning us that this is coming, but few of us have been listening. And I don't know about you, but for me, the reaction often has been anger at them, whoever they are. Uh, you know, why can't they do something about global warming? And at the same time, I can go into total fear or my favorite is denial. There's nothing happening. Everything is fine. So this program, which was um, actually inspired by a conversation I had with Grant, I'm uh, the host of Inside Out Radio for Voice America, and I had interviewed Grant a couple of times about climate change. And um, I think we both felt this real passion. Grant is the scientist himself. Like, what can we do? And we thought, ah, Let's do a Voice America special on this. And when I started to research who to bring onto this program, I discovered that there are an incredible number of people who are already busily working on this problem and that there is a lot of wisdom and great ideas and there's stuff that we can do. So I have gone from being totally into, oh my God, this is the apocalypse. I think I'm going to bury my head in the sand to, all right, what do we do? So uh, I'm hoping that in this two-hour program, and by the way, it's on podcast. So if you can't sit here for two hours, that doesn't mean you can't get all the benefit because you can always leave, come back, leave, come back. You know, there, (laughs) there is a pause button, but you do return because we have so much information to share with you. And, um, our guests today are so full of, what can I say? Wisdom, awarenesses that I certainly didn't have. And I'm sure many of you don't have all of this information. So I say, let's get together, let's listen, let's learn, let's talk with one another. Uh, Our guests don't know each other personally, 
But I'm hoping that not only will they share individually, but that a conversation is going to come out of this. And that as I, as I was looking for people for the panel, I found out that there is a lot more that we can do. And there's a lot more hope out there and a lot more opportunity than I had ever realized. So, yes, there's gloom and doom, but there's also hope. And why we need that hope is if we don't have hope, we don't act. And we do need to take action. It's not like, okay, the world is coming to an end tomorrow. But if we don't do something different, the world is going to come to an end the day after tomorrow. So (laughs) the world as we've known it. So this program is dedicated to hope and action. And I hope that you guys out there listen, love it, and feel inspired. Inspired to do your own thinking and have your own creativity. So, uh, with no further ado, let me ask Grant to introduce himself, and then I will ask each one of our panelists to do the same. Grant, take it away. Hi, my name is Grantine. I work at Scripps Institution of Oceanography, and um, I, I call myself a mathematical physicist. I, I go around the world and I study the way the planet uh, is interacting with itself, the way the atmosphere reacts with the ocean, the way the glaciers react with the warming seas, and try and understand how to feed the climate models that, that, that we use to predict the future. And there's still so much uncertainty around the model calculations because the Earth is vast and complicated and there are many things about it that we don't understand. And I'm very passionate about this, and I get to have all kinds of wonderful experiences, diving in the Arctic and going out to sea in storms, and it's a great adventure. Um, and uh, Sounds scary to me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I'm looking forward to feeling some more hope myself. I, also, I feel pretty despondent about the state of the situation, and uh, I need to talk to people who have ideas about what to do, and I need to join forces with them in my daily life, in addition to what I do as a scientist, and I'm very much looking forward to this, this panel discussion. Well, I'm so happy to have you, Grant, and the, the cool thing for our audience is because you know this is not TV, so people are just hearing voices, and they won't know whose voice is whose, but it's very easy to recognize Grant because he comes from New Zealand. <laughs> yes, I have that rec- Kiwi accent. You do. <laughs> so that's Grant. So when it sounds like a Kiwi, it's Grant. Okay, and now I'd like to introduce our panel. First of all, I'd like to introduce you to Professor Scott Denning. He's like our scientist, uh, not, uh, not that Grant isn't also a scientist, but from our panel, he is our science foundation guy. Scott, please introduce yourself to our listeners. My name is Scott Denning. I'm a professor of atmospheric science at Colorado State University. I, I am a climate scientist. I, my uh, research is mostly about the interaction between vegetated land, so you know where, where we live, plants with land, uh, land with plants on it, and the atmosphere. I study the um, the exchanges of water and heat and carbon between the atmosphere and the land. But I also do a lot of um, education work on climate and climate change. Uh, teach a bunch of graduate students and also undergrads, and uh, do dozens of these sort of climate change outreach presentations uh, each year, and I'm delighted to be here. 
Well, we are so delighted to have you, uh, Scott. And in fact, I think for some of us, the science is really intimidating. You know, I, I'm not a scientist, so it's like, tell me, yes or no, you know, black or white, just tell me because I can't, I don't get it. I don't understand all the science. So there may be, I'm sure there are people out there who are much more uh, wise and savvy about science than I am, but there are going to be other people like me out there. So we so appreciate that we have someone who's so committed to making science understandable for the rest of us because we have to know these things. Some On some level, we need to know what's going on and we need to know it in terms that we can understand. So I so appreciate Scott and how you can tell that it's Scott on this call is that Scott is the guy with a deep voice with a twinkle in it. That's how I would describe that. <laughs> but also, especially in the early stages, I hope that uh, my guests will identify themselves when I haven't called on them specifically so people know who's saying what and who to blame for what they've just said. So, <laughs> Scott, thank you so much. Thank you. You have to keep twinkling, though. Otherwise, people will say, oh, no, who was that? I'll work on it. Okay, very good. Our next guest is Kelsey Worth. Kelsey, say hi to our audience and please tell us about yourself. Uh, thank you, Beth. Yes, my name is Kelsey Worth. I am the founder of Mothers Out Front. Mothers Out Front is headquartered in Massachusetts, and we are building a national movement of mothers who are coming together out of shared concern for our children's future in the face of climate change. And more specifically, we are focused on developing mothers' voices and power as an organized constituency that can both take action in our own lives as well as pressure our leaders to take bold action to address climate change. Um, we are mothers of all ages and backgrounds, and uh, the, we recognize that the sort of broad societal change that we need to have in our society is not going to happen without a movement of people pushing our leaders to do the right thing. Kelsey, you're so inspiring, and I think that a lot of uh, women and men who are mothers too, <laughs> you know, mother-fathers, um, are really going to want to know more about you and your organization and what you're doing because so many of us feel helpless and really don't know what to do. And that feeling of, oh, wow, what's happening to our planet? What are we leaving our children that really touches a chord for a lot of people. And so we're certainly going to want to hear much more from you about what you're doing and how people can either join you or do something in their own communities to, to, to overcome this feeling that we are helpless and there's nothing we can do. We look at our political system and we say, my God, they, they, they're, they're in gridlock about everything. Right. And, you know, the, so our, you know, Rome is burning and we're fiddling. And, uh, you know, it's a very scary. It can be very scary. So knowing that you guys are out there and the inspiration that you bring is going to be so important for us. So um, looking for, forward to your sharing way more on this. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. Thank you. And now we have Peter Sinclair. Peter, uh, please tell us about yourself. Yeah, I'm a videographer, and uh, I have a long history working in issues of environment and energy. About uh, uh, six or seven years ago, started a series of videos on YouTube uh, uh, 
called Climate Denial Crock of the Week, where I really kind of went to the defense of the climate scientists who were being attacked uh, very effectively on the internet and uh, with these, what I call the climate crocs, which are the crunchy little nuggets of disinformation that take uh, Rush Limbaugh 10 seconds to say, but take a good scientist like Scott maybe an hour to explain why it's nonsense. Uh, and uh, got really good response from scientists. I've, I've started a new series through YaleClimateConnections.com, which is called This Is Not Cool. Uh, I also have a blog, uh, ClimateCrocs.com, uh, where, in fact, uh, today I, I posted on this, uh, this feeling of, of helplessness that you describe, uh, which uh, some people are calling uh, not PTSD, but pre-TSD. <laughs> It's sort of the anticipation of, uh, of really serious consequences to come. Yes. And my, my call upon people is to uh, use that, uh, that sense of urgency to, uh, to stand up and, and begin to, to do something about it. Because I'm, I'm someone that believes we still have time to really make a transformational change that will uh, head off a lot of the, uh, of, of the damages that, that are to come. I so appreciate that you're doing that, uh, Peter, and I'm sure that the scientists out there are really appreciated too. One of the things that I've learned uh, in doing this program and in um, looking for the right people to address our audience today is how many scientists have been speaking, have been begging, have been crying in the wind, (laughs) you know, trying to awaken us. And then there are people also like, you know, like Kelsey and Laura, our other uh, panelists who've been at this for so long. But this, just knowing that there are people like you who are out supporting them because they're, they're almost like, you know, our, the modern age prophets saying, hello there, <laughs> hello there, <laughs> we're going to go down. And people, you know, just felt too blocked to listen. And I can totally understand why people don't want to listen. But we have to listen, we have to learn, we have to take action. And I also want to point out that Peter, um, I particularly wanted Peter on the show because he's going to be talking to us about the power revolution, which is something that each one of us can do at home. So he's got something to share with all of us, it's very, very inspiring, and I'm I'm looking forward to um, to having you speak about that as the show goes on. So Absolutely. you can recognize Peter's voice. He's got the higher pitch, but he doesn't sound like he comes from New Zealand. He's not the deep voice with a twinkle, and uh, so that would be Peter. And it's not me, obviously. So, <laughs> okay, thank you so much, Peter, and. Last but not least, by any means, we have Laura Steck. Laura, please introduce yourself to our audience. Well, hello, everybody. Laura Steck, uh, based in San Francisco Bay Area. Go Giants! <laughs> On the World Series yesterday. Sorry, all you Kansas City fans. Um, I'm a chef. I uh, have um, done all kinds of things in the food and environment world. In fact, I say I was involved in uh, food and environment long before it was sexy. Back in the 80s, I started a food and environment program called Eco Eaters, and that turned into a program called EAT, E-E-A-T, the Environmental Eating Action Team, and I did that through the 90s. And then 2008, uh, wrote a book uh, called Cool Cuisine, Taking the Bite Out of Global Warming. Uh, I wrote it with uh, atmospheric scientist Dr. Eugene Cordero, who is uh, based in San Jose State. 
here in uh, California. And our book proposes that uh, global warming could be the best thing to happen to the culinary world in a long time uh, because the uh, issues associated with uh, global warming and food are so um, extreme that they uh, can actually push us toward solution. And the solutions to global warming and climate change via the food system are actually very tasty for eaters. Uh, It really um, will move us forward to getting a lot better, uh, uh, higher quality and better tasting food. And so uh, Cool Cuisine approaches the subject from what you can do as an eater, and it actually approaches the subject from a very positive way instead of a very dark and um, uh, uh, kind of uh, intimidating way. We try to uh, lure uh the converted and but also the non-converted by the concept of uh, pleasure and how much more we'll get out of our food system if we start looking at uh, ways of uh, attacking global warming through food. I love this. I have to tell you that I was scouring the planet for weeks to find this woman. (laughs) (laughs) No, this is really true because we had all of our other panelists and I kept saying, there's got to be somebody who can talk to us about food <laughs> and climate change. And I, I can't tell you how many people I went through to get to Laura. And so I'm so excited. And I Happy can't day. wait for her to share all of this with us because I think she is the symbol um, of what we're trying to accomplish in this panel, which is to really show us that we are actually going to be able to improve our lives in the process of improving our climate. So now we're going to go to commercial break for a second, and we will be back. So stick with us. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Bring Beth into your world in person or via the Internet. Learn how by visiting her website, bethgreen.org. At the website, sign up for her newsletter to keep abreast of her latest activities, blogs, videos, and more. Just for signing up, you'll receive a free PDF copy of Living with Reality, her 688-page volume that helps us understand ourselves in relatable terms, as well as offers a proven program to heal and co-create a better world. But there's more. Learn about Beth's four other books, both fiction and nonfiction. Check out her gorgeous music, which is heartfelt and mystical. Become acquainted with Beth and James's programs for healing and training, and discover their community, the Stream Center for the New Spirituality, which welcomes you wherever you are in the world. All this and more can be found at Beth's website, www.bethgreen.org. Again, that's bethgreen.org. For 27 years, Kidstar has empowered thousands of kids across the country. And now we have the opportunity to empower children around the world. Kidstar is announcing a new radio show called Voyage Earth. Voyage Earth will empower kids from across the world. And we need your help. Kidstar has created a Kickstarter campaign just for this new undertaking. By pledging to Kickstarter, you pledge for a future of empowered people to come. My name is Harmony Hagedorn. And I'm Angela Maris. From the Angel and Harmony Show on Voice America Kids. Kidstar, we empower kids. Become a member of VoiceAmerica.com. It's easy and best of all, it's free. Start out by going to our homepage or any of our channels and click register at the top. 
Once you've created an account and signed in, you can create your own custom library, opt into our newsletter, search by show, host, guest, or topic of interest, or browse millions of hours of content across all of our Voice America radio channels. Membership gets you more. Visit voiceamerica.com today to get started and tailor the listening experience to your taste. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Be extraordinary. Be the change. You're tuned in to Inside Out with Beth Green and co-host James Maynard. To reach us on the show, please call 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. If you'd rather send us an email, the address is beth at bethgreen.org. Now, back to Inside Out. Welcome back to our Climate Opportunity Special. Well, you have been introduced to all our panelists and my co-host, Grandine, and I'm raring to go. I want to get into this conversation. So I think that we have to start with the gloom and doom before we get into the hope. Don't you think so? So why don't we start with you, Scott? Not that I'm trying to make you the gloom and doom guy, <laughs> but, but can just give us the layperson's and I hate to insult the scientifically oriented out there who are smarter than I am, but please give us a layperson's idea of what are we talking about? Because um, there are some people who don't believe that that climate change is being caused by humankind. And from what I've read, 97% of all climate scientists are saying that we are a big contributor to climate change. So we'd love to have just a a foundation of understanding of what is climate change looking like and what the heck do we have to do with it? Okay. Um, actually, I, I always make an effort when I talk about this to to, um, to hit three important points. And um, it's easy to remember because they all start with the letter S. Uh, the three S's of climate change are simple, serious, and solvable. So um, you, you've asked me for doom and gloom, but that's my middle S. That's the serious part. But we always, always, always uh, bracket the, the doom and gloom with, with simple on the, on the first side and solvable on the last side. I love that because that's where we need to go after right. we hear from you is we need to go to that feeling of it is solvable if we wake up and do something. Right. So, so let's talk just very quickly about uh, how this works. Um, the... The, the underlying reason why climate can change and why it does change is that uh, heat comes into the earth and heat goes out of the earth. And if more heat comes in than goes out, it warms up. And if more heat goes out than comes in, it cools off. And this is, of course, why daytime is warmer than nighttime. It's why summertime is warmer than wintertime. It's why Miami is warmer than Minneapolis. Uh, when more heat comes in than goes out, things warm up. You know, um, I didn't know that, Scott. <laughs> well, I mean, this is, for, for example, if, if you put a pot of water on the stove and you um, add heat to that pot of water uh, faster than the heat can get out of that pot of water, 
then the, the pot of water will warm up. And this is, this is exactly the same as every other thing you've experienced in your life with things getting warmer or cooler. You turn on your furnace in the winter right, and right. Uh, you're putting heat in faster than it gets out. And by gosh, your, your house will warm up. I know. <clears> I know. <throat> it's that simple thing that you it said. It really is remarkably simple. <laughs> uh, so that for the earth, the heat comes in from the sun. Um, but if that was the whole story, then the earth would just get hotter and hotter and hotter forever. And of course, that's not the whole story because the heat also has to get back out. But since the earth is in a vacuum, it can't just conduct heat out, out to space. Um, there's nothing to conduct it to. So it has to get back out um, by what we call radiation, which is something you can't see. And it's not the kind of radiation we were scared of when I was a kid, um, you know, having to do with, with bombs or something. Um, <clears throat> but heat radiation, you, you can tell if you ever used an electric stove and you flip on the stove and um, before you can see the burners get red, um, they actually start radiating heat. And you could feel it with your hands. So the earth is radiating heat out into space all the time. Mm. And the rate that the earth can radiate out to space um, d depends on what's in the air because the air stands in the way um, of that radiation. When the, the solid earth is radiating heat out to space, that heat radiation has to pass through the air. And um, it turns out that most of the, most of the atmosphere, most of the air, 99% of the air doesn't interfere with the outgoing heat. That would be the, the nitrogen and the oxygen that we breathe. But 1% of the air is special. 1% 1, 1 of the air has um, special uh, gases that can absorb that outgoing heat. And those, the, the two most important ones are carbon dioxide and water, water vapor, um, actually absorbs outgoing heat. Now, it, it's not like we just uh, saw the, the temperature going up and wondered why it was going up. Um, uh, ra rather, 150 years ago, back during the U.S. Civil War, um, the, the fact that CO2 gas, carbon dioxide, absorbs heat um, was, was discovered. It was measured in a laboratory in 1863 in New York City. And um, we have known very, very well for 150 years that CO2 absorbs heat. Uh, we know how much it absorbs. We know uh, what kind of, of radiation it absorbs. And since 1863, these measurements have been made in thousands of laboratories around the world. There's absolutely no question that CO2 absorbs outgoing heat, radiation, and um, it's a measurement, doesn't come from computer models. Uh, we, we didn't have to see the earth heating up to know this. Um, this is something that, that's absolutely as, as well known as, as something can be, having been measured for 150 years. It's so, like gravity. It's like the apple will fall on your head. Yeah, yeah. and um, we also know very, very well that adding heat to things causes them to change their temperature. And if you don't believe me, like I said, put a pot of water on the stove, add some heat to it, see if it doesn't change its temperature. Mm -hmm. so, so that's the simple part. Um, when we add CO2 to the atmosphere by burning things that are made of carbon, um, the atmosphere has, the, uh, has more of these CO2 molecules in it that absorb the outgoing heat. And of course, um, if you put more heat uh, in from the sun than can get out um, because of all the extra CO2, then you've added heat to the earth and therefore it'll warm up. And, and this is exactly the same reason why, uh, why the temperature goes up during the day um, that compared to at night, it's exactly the same reason why 
July is in the United States is reliably warmer than January. And it's exactly the same reason why Miami is a warmer place than Minneapolis in the wintertime because there's more heat coming in than going out. So that, that's, that's why we know that adding a whole bunch of CO2 to the atmosphere will cause it to warm up. Uh, now, it is true that it has been warming up, but we haven't actually added all that much CO2 to the atmosphere yet. The, the CO, there's about uh, one-third more CO2 in the atmosphere now than there was uh, before the Industrial Revolution. So let me just say that again. We, we haven't doubled CO2. We, we've only added about one-third to the amount of CO2 that was here um, before we, we started burning coal and oil and gas. So when we talk about uh, doubling CO2, that's actually something in the future. That's not something we've already done. But um, if, if the uh, world economy continues to be run on, on burning coal and oil and gas, um, the, the amount of carbon dioxide in the atmosphere will continue to increase. And if you double the amount of these um, special heat-absorbing molecules in the air, you add um, four watts of extra heat to every square meter of the Earth. And I just want to kind of remind you what, uh, maybe you don't know what four watts looks like, but um, think please, back. Please, please, tell us. I don't. <laughs> think, think back. Uh, now, when, when I was a little kid, we used um, Christmas tree lights that got hot, <clears throat> and each of those Christmas tree lights was four watts. Um, when my kids were little, uh, four-watt light bulbs were used for night lights so we could find the bathroom in the, in the middle of the night. Um, and nowadays, of course, all those little night lights are LED lights. But uh, many people will remember four-watt light bulbs, those little bitty light, light bulbs you used to use for night lights. And those things are four watts. So doubling CO2 is putting that much extra heat on every square meter so I can hold my hands about, about three feet apart. Uh, and imagine a, a little four-watt light bulb um, everywhere on Earth that far apart. Um, and that, if you turned on all those light bulbs every, every meter all over the planet and left them on pretty much forever, uh, you can imagine that, that it would get warmer. And it, and it might not get a whole lot warmer, but there's no way that it, would, that it would not get warmer if you added four watts of heat to every square meter of the planet. So that, that's the simple part. You wanted to know doom and gloom, and I, I hate talking about gloom and doom. Well, but. but we need to spend two minutes on reality, sure. don't we? I mean, the, this is, I love what you're saying. You're putting it so simply. And I've seen some of your uh, videos on YouTube. And, uh, you know, you guys out there, our listeners, you can learn a lot more about all of these people. If you Google them, if you go to YouTube, I mean, they, they have been out there and expressing and telling us uh, what's going on for quite a while. But I think what's important, though, that uh, you haven't touched on yet is what the impact has already been of just increasing by one third. And so, I don't so know there if you want to speak impacts. to that. But sure, yeah. there, there have been impacts. And on the other hand, I, I think it's important for the listeners to understand that um, what we've seen so far is, is just barely a taste of what mm -hmm. happens if you double or triple or quadruple the number of these molecules in the air, as opposed to just increasing them by one third. So, so if we double uh, the amount of CO2 in the air, um, that adds four watts of heat to every square meter on the planet. And um, on the average, 
that's expected to warm up the Earth by about three degrees Celsius. Now, here in the U.S., we use Fahrenheit instead of Celsius, uh, and a Fahrenheit degree, um, with a, a Celsius degree is almost two degrees Fahrenheit. So uh, the other thing is that the average temperature goes up by three degrees Celsius for the world, but most of the world is ocean, and oceans take an awful lot of extra heat. Imagine a four-watt light bulb on the ocean. You know, it takes a lot of heat to warm up the ocean. So the oceans don't warm up nearly as much as the land. So the land warms up much more than three degrees Celsius for every doubling of CO2. And uh, here in the middle of the United States where I live in Colorado, uh, it, it's more pr probably closer to five or six degrees Celsius of warming for a doubling of CO2. You, you to convert that from Celsius to Fahrenheit, it's about 10 degrees Fahrenheit of warming um, for the middle of the United States for every doubling of CO2. 10 degrees Fahrenheit uh, today wouldn't be so bad. I don't know. It's about 60 degrees Fahrenheit out, and it would be 70 if it was 10 degrees warmer. But we're not talking about just today. We're talking about on the average 10 degrees. So that would be, for me, like moving from, from Colorado to, um, to Texas, so Colorado's climate becomes like the climate of Texas. Um, Iowa's climate becomes like the climate of, of Mississippi. Uh, Washington, D.C.'s climate becomes like the climate of Georgia. So it's, it's actually quite a big difference, uh, 10 degrees Fahrenheit. And of course, if you warmed the climate by 10 degrees Fahrenheit on the average across uh, the middle of the United States, um, the crops that we grow couldn't grow in the same places. We'd have to grow different crops because uh, crops are, are uh, appropriate for our climate. Um, 10 degrees Fahrenheit of warming on the average would evaporate a whole lot more water from the ground because warm air can, can hold more water. So we would need a lot more irrigation for our crops. We would need a lot more water for our cities. Um, here in the, in the arid West, where we've had a lot of, uh, problems with forest fires, if you, at, if you warmed up the average temperature by 10 degrees Fahrenheit, um, the trees would lose a lot more water and they'd be a lot more susceptible to burning. There are a lot of right in your face, big time impacts for, for that kind of, of warming. Um, globally, if you warmed up the temperature that much, you're going to um, melt a lot of snow and ice. And of course, snow and ice reflects sun to space. So melting snow and ice makes the, the, the ground get darker when you melt it, and therefore it can absorb even more heat from the sun. So that accelerates the warming. And the melting of ice on land adds water to the oceans. So the seas come up. And um, if, you, if you continue this process for long enough, the ocean comes up enough that uh, that we would have to uh, abandon a lot of the cities along the coasts. So the consequences of this really are um, worse than most people will be willing to accept. We don't want to go there. And therefore, yes. we have to solve it. And therefore, in my opinion, uh, we will solve this. There's really no uh, no silver bullet. There's no way out of this. We, we have to deal with this. We have to stop putting these extra uh, heat absorbing molecules in the air so that the temperature uh, won't go up that much so that we don't wind up uh, losing our crops, losing our cities, losing our forests. Um, we, this, this is a problem that must be solved and this is a problem that can be solved. See, I love that. And we're going to 
after our commercial break, we're going to start talking about what some of the solutions are. But I think it's important just to get that kind of reality check because we can't be in denial. And what is, uh, uh, you know, kind of distressing to me, and I'm sure to so many of us, is that even though we haven't gotten to that apocalyptic point yet, that is the direction we're going in. And what has already happened is pretty darn distressing and scary. I mean, we have these freak storms and we have droughts. I, I drove through California last year coming up to Oregon and I, I just couldn't believe the forest, you know, where they were so, there was so much drought. And, um, you know, there's already been so much damage. And I think we all, as we go into our, our next commercial break, I'd like us each to picture something, each one of our listeners, too, to picture something that you love about this earth, about this world. Me, it's trees. It's pretty obvious. I'm a tree maniac. Um, trees and streams. And to, to picture that and realize that we, by our unconscious behavior, are jeopardizing all of that, not only for ourselves, but for our kids, as, as Kelsey says. And yet, we can do something about this. And that's what I love. So stick with us. We're going to another commercial break, and we'll be right back. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Bring Beth into your world in person or via the Internet. Learn how by visiting her website, bethgreen.org. At the website, sign up for her newsletter to keep abreast of her latest activities, blogs, videos, and more. Just for signing up, you'll receive a free PDF copy of Living with Reality, her 688-page volume that helps us understand ourselves in relatable terms, as well as offers a proven program to heal and co-create a better world. But there's more. Learn about Beth's four other books, both fiction and nonfiction. Check out her gorgeous music, which is heartfelt and mystical. Become acquainted with Beth and James's programs for healing and training, and discover their community, the Stream Center for the New Spirituality, which welcomes you wherever you are in the world. All this and more can be found at Beth's website, www.bethgreen.org. Again, that's bethgreen.org. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings of the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our wall. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Tune into the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's Hot Topics. Want to know what's going on behind the scenes with your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network host? How about what's new with our network? 
Make sure you check out the iRadio blog, a look at what's hot at Voice America and beyond. Visit www.iradioblog.com today. Get the inside scoop on every channel on our network, including breaking news, featured guests, blog posts from our hosts, and much more. Make sure you sign up for our newsletter for even more inside action. Visit iradioblog.com today and stay connected. Be visionary. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. You're tuned in to Inside Out with Beth Green and co-host James Maynard. To reach us on the show, please call 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. If you'd rather send us an email, the address is beth at bethgreen.org. Now, back to Inside Out. Welcome back to the Climate Opportunity. Well, I hated to do this, but I thought it was important for us <laughs> to ask Scott to talk to us about where we're going with climate change. And we already have seen a lot of where we are already. And now I think we're ready to start talking about uh, what we can do. And because there's no point in talking about all these things, if there isn't something we can do about it, then we should just make, you know, say a prayer and, and go. In. There's no bomb shelter to go into. I don't know. How do you hide from climate change? <laughs> Put yourself in a tornado shelter. Uh, there is something we can do. There's a lot of things we can do. And I would love to start with Laura because Laura is going to talk to us about food. And just the idea that we, you know, there's a this... Um, this phrase came to me when, uh, about our climate special, which is, they say you can't change the weather, but we already have. And if we can change the weather for the worse, we can change it for the better. And that's the spirit I want to bring into this conversation. And Laura is going to start talking to us about how we can change the weather for the better at our kitchen table and maybe even before that when we're shopping. Please, Laura, bring us some guidance as to what each one of us can do that's going to improve our health, our well-being, and, 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 and stop this process of a decline. Thank you, Beth. Um, I'm looking at cool cuisine, taking the bite out of global warming. On the first uh, page, there's a quote by Mark Twain, and uh, he says, everyone talks about the weather, but no one ever does anything about it. <laughs> and uh, it, it is true. It, when I speak publicly... Um, I actually said that we can help uh, create a solution to global warming and to climate change and never even talk about it. And, and that's specifically because you can teach people about how to cook and how to eat in a way that will affect positively um, changes to global warming. So per UC Davis, which is a school north of San Francisco, um, uh, in 2007, and I don't know what Scott would say about this, I'm assuming it's probably still the same, but the largest um, global warming contributors uh, due to our diet, so the, the six biggest ways that the food system affects global warming are livestock, specifically beef and lamb, uh, growing foods with synthetic nitrogen fertilizers, so pesticides and herbicides, fertilizers that are made from uh, fossil fuels, uh, growing food in greenhouses that are, that are powered by fossil fuels, flying food in 
uh, to our grocery stores. So that would be eating strawberries in Michigan in the middle wait, of... Wait, wait, wait. Uh, Laura, I'm sorry. Uh, did you say that growing food in greenhouses? Powered by fossil fuels, yes. So not powered oh, by the far, Oh, I see. Okay, thanks. Yeah, so no, so the first one's livestock. The second one is uh, nitrogen-based fertilizers. Uh, the, the third one is growing food in greenhouses that are powered by fossil fuels or by oil. Uh, flying our food in from, uh, so eating foods that aren't in season that are flown into our grocery stores, basically. Our food waste, so not doing anything with our carrot peels and our potato skins. And then our travel to and from the store and how our food gets uh, to and from the store. So those are the six main ways that um, uh, the food system affects global warming. And we can take each of those ways and talk about solution. We can work on all six of them as consumers. We can work on one of them as consumers. Um, it, uh, whether you reduce the amount of meat you eat or whether you eat in season or maybe you're buying foods that are grown organically or you have a compost pile or you look at, um, you know, uh, traveling, uh, reduce, reduce using the amount of travel or taking a bike to the grocery store. Uh, these are the uh, different ways that um, we can start working on the issue. Now, one of your points, which is so critical for all of us, is that this is actually good for our health and good for our well-being. And this is such an important point because most of us have this idea like, oh, my God, global warming, climate change, uh, my life is ruined. The only way that I can do it is to have a miserable life, and that's the only way to confront it. And what you're saying is, no, 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 no. This is good for us. This is not only good for the planet, it's good for us. And so can you talk a little bit about that, Laura? I know you've studied this so, you know, so much. Oh, absolutely. When we're, when we're talking about solutions to global warming via the food system, we want to start looking at the soil. And the way that I describe it, I, I talk about everything in culinary terms um, because that's how I understand it. And we should think of our soil as a fine Bordelais sauce. So if any of our listeners have ever made a Bordelais sauce and, or ever tasted a Bordelais sauce, that deep, rich, yummy flavor that you get from um, using uh, beef, uh, cow, to, to make a sauce, it's really just unctuous and delicious, and, we, and many people appreciate that type of um, sauce. So uh, when you put something into that sauce, no matter what it is, it's going to taste good because the sauce has flavor, will embark flavor into whatever it might be. Um, if we look at that from a food situation, well, we want to think about our soil as the same way. So just like we season and, and flavor our, our sauces, we want to season and flavor our soils so that our soils have more life and have more uh, nutrients to give to the food that is growing inside of them. So we've taken the most expensive, rarest element uh, compound on the planet, oil, and we've used it to replace, to grow our food. We've used it to replace one of the most abundant, cheapest resources on the planet, which is soil. And in order to season our soil and to make that rich and think about it like a fine Bordelais sauce, we want to add things to it. Uh, we want to add our herbs and spices to our sauces. We want to add our potato skins and our carrot peels to our uh, soil. We want to tend our soil by um, cover crops and rotation of crops so that it uh, harbors this life inside of the soil that we cannot see. So we, we, we want to think about our soil as um, kind of the way that uh, 
uh, Horton Horton did, and Horton here's a who. Remember back that old story where we had the um, the who's down Whoville, Whoville saying we are here, we are here, we are here, and the only person who, who the only thing uh, who knew that they were there was that big old elephant Horton. He knew that they were there, and nobody else did, and he did everything to try to rescue them. Well, we can think of our soil the same way. They say in a healthy tablespoon of soil there could be up to one billion microorganisms that live in it. So um, if we start with tending to that life in the soil, then we find that we will have a much richer, a better tasting uh, carrot, uh, a more nutritious uh, spinach, and the flavor will be more, uh, just, just will be richer. So that's we we, we, we we want soil to have seasoning so that we have better tasting food and you know carbon in the atmosphere is an, is a liability carbon in the soil is an asset and it's one of the things that helps us to move the system, uh, food system towards really um, going back to having a great tasting food system with good tasting fruits and vegetables and plants and things that grow from the soil now, so many of us don't go out and grow our own, although I have to tell you, Laura, the way you're describing it, it's like, oh, I want to go out there and drop a carrot peeling, and, 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 but I don't grow anything. So, <laughs> Well, you know, we, neither do I, Beth, but you, we have two choices in life. We, we either get to be the cook or the gardener. Uh, okay. and if, you're, if you choose neither, then you have to be the sous uh, gardener or the sous chef. <laughs> so you, know, you have to either cook or wash the dishes. You either have to... <laughs> So if you're not growing your own food, um, yeah. which many people don't, and I certainly yeah. encourage that, but you know, such an easy thing to do is just to have a compost system in your backyard. I, 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 I'm not a, a gardener, and I never even had a compost system. I was very afraid of a compost system. Um, I was living with people who were doing it, and then when I moved out on my own, um, I actually found it to be extremely easy to do. Um, so that's one thing. If, you, if you're not a gardener, you can absolutely uh, work towards um, uh, being a, com- a composter. In fact, one of the interesting things about organic gardening and one of the scientists that we reviewed for the book uh, who works at UC Davis and soil scientist, Will Horwath, Dr. Will Horwath, he said that organic agriculture is a wonderful idea, except we just don't have enough compost to do it. And, um, and when we think about 40% of the food in the United States is that we produce is actually being thrown away to food waste, uh, we see that there is a, a wonderful uh, opportunity for everyone to participate in um, uh, tending to the soil. So th- this is going to sound really dumb, but I-, I need to ask you this question. Okay, so I don't do any gardening. So uh, what can I do with my compost? I mean, are you saying that there are places to donate your compost? This may sound like a stupid question, but oh, well, no. I really want to uh, well, Absolutely. Um, you know, it's funny. Uh, if there are any, I'm sure there are composters listening to us right now uh, who would love to take your compost. That's the first oh, thing. Oh, I mean, come you, get my, but don't drive. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's the first thing. You can you can if, you can give it to anybody um, who who has a garden because they'll take it. Uh, my compost is in high demand. But if you don't want to do that, um, uh, you can just spread it out anywhere. Um, you know, you you don't need to. Um, uh, you, well, it, you, once you have compost, you can just put it on your plants. It will actually ah. break down to the point where you don't have the food. If you still have the food, well, then you, 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 you know, basically, if you've got land, you can bury it in a hole. Um, if you don't have land and you can't give it away, um, and or if you're living in a city and you're working in a, you know, you're in, in, in a, um, a city, I don't know if they have. Our garbage collectors actually take the compost now, 
So I'm not sure what's happening in other parts of the country, but we actually, um, the food waste is being composted um, through city um, municipalities and garbage collection out in in the Bay Area. It's probably not happening other places. But I would say, yeah, the first thing is just tell someone. They'll come and get it, I'm sure. More people want my compost than I know what to do with. Wow. And um, is is it as simple as if, I mean, at least one thing we can do, if we eat organically grown food, are we helping the climate? Well, I think, again, there are six main ways that you as a consumer and as an eater can attack this issue through your food system. One is organic agriculture um, because uh, pesticides and fertilizers are, are based uh, in oil and the synthetic um, uh, pesticides and fertilizers are based in oil. And so, um, yes, it's one of the ways that you can reduce the amount of oil that goes into our food system. Um, but if that is not of your budget or not of your availability, then there are five other ways that you can tackle this issue and you decide how much or how little you want to do. You know, it's interesting as far as a car goes, driving your car, for instance, um, uh, people look at uh, car uh, Automobiles as being a, a contributor to global warming, and of course that they are. Um, but uh, and the, out here, uh, the uh, the Hummer. I, I haven't seen a lot of them these days. But that big, huge car that used to drive <laughs> yeah. around, and we used to all yeah. sneer at the people driving the the Hummer. But um, uh, Dr. Cordero, my uh, the scientist that worked on our book. Um, he, he used to have this slide about uh, the Hummer driver uh, may actually be doing more than you because the Hummer driver may be a vegan. And uh, <laughs> if the Hummer driver is a vegan, there's a good chance that actually his, uh, his reduction of personal uh, go, uh, carbon emissions is going to be um, greater than yours because often our diet can be more um, influential than what we're driving. So it's, it, there's many ways to participate, and um, you find which one works for you. And, and I, if I could just jump in for a second here, too. Yeah, we it, only have a second before we just have a to second. take a break. Yes. Yeah, there's, there's, uh, this, is, this subject is taken very seriously in the scientific community, and there's been research done on organic farming and the possibilities of organic farming. And it turns out, you know, Scott mentioned all this carbon dioxide. We need to sequester it somewhere. And the soil, the earth, is a place where this carbon dioxide can get sequestered. How do we get it in there? We compost and we farm organically. And that can help us for around 200 years. That won't be a final solution, but it can give us a lot of extra time while we sort out our energy production and get off our addiction to fossil fuels. Thank you so much for that, Grant. We do have to take a break right now. And uh, but we will be back, and I think our next our next guest is going to be talking about the production of energy. So stick with us. This has been so fascinating. The Seventh Wave Channel on the Voice America Network. Bring Beth into your world in person or via the Internet. Learn how by visiting her website, bethgreen.org. At the website, sign up for her newsletter to keep abreast of her latest activities, blogs, videos, and more. Just for signing up, you'll receive a free PDF copy of Living with Reality. 
her 688-page volume that helps us understand ourselves in relatable terms, as well as offers a proven program to heal and co-create a better world. But there's more. Learn about Beth's four other books, both fiction and nonfiction. Check out her gorgeous music, which is heartfelt and mystical. Become acquainted with Beth and James's programs for healing and training, and discover their community, the Stream Center for the New Spirituality, which welcomes you wherever you are in the world. All this and more can be found at Beth's website, www.bethgreen.org. Again, that's bethgreen.org. Want to know what's going on behind the scenes with your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network host? How about what's new with our network? Make sure you check out the iRadio blog, a look at what's hot at Voice America and beyond. Visit www.iradioblog.com today. Get the inside scoop on every channel on our network, including breaking news, featured guests, blog posts from our hosts, and much more. Make sure you sign up for our newsletter for even more inside action. Visit iradioblog.com today and stay connected. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog, Press Pass? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus, topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at VAPressPass.com. That's VAPressPass.com. VA Press Pass by Voice America. All access, all the time. For 27 years, KidStar has empowered thousands of kids across the country. And now we have the opportunity to empower children around the world. KidStar is announcing a new radio show called Voyage Earth. Voyage Earth will empower kids from across the world. And we need your help. KidStar has created a Kickstarter campaign just for this new undertaking. By pledging to Kickstarter, you pledge for a future of empowered people to come. My name is Harmony Hagedorn. And I'm Angel Ramirez. From the Angel and Harmony Show on Voice America Kids. KidStar, we empower kids. Now you can take your favorite Voice America radio program with you anywhere. Sign up for our mobile app if you have an iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry. The Voice America Interactive Radio Player, powered by Aircast, gives you the freedom to listen to any of our programs anywhere, live, and on demand. No registration is required. Listen to your favorite Voice America hosts and discover new ones. Download the Voice America mobile app for iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry, powered by Aircast. Visit the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Seek greater awareness. You're tuned in to Inside Out with Beth Green and co-host James Maynard. To reach us on the show, please call 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. If you'd rather send us an email, the address is beth at bethgreen.org. Now, back to Inside Out. Welcome back to the Climate Opportunity. Well, I hope that our listeners are as excited as I am about this conversation. And um, I just get such a lift when I hear these guests and see what they're doing, and I think, wow, you know, there, there are so many brilliant minds on the job. <laughs> and um, Laura was talking about 
many different ways that we can participate in changing the weather for the better uh, through the way we shop, the way we eat, what we do with the soil. I mean, it was just very exciting. And, and, uh, and she was mentioning the guy in the Hummer versus the vegan. And I'd love to uh, move on now to Peter Sinclair. And Peter, can you talk to us about that the production of energy uh, which is another really, 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 really important segment of this climate issue. Sure. Uh, I give a lot of presentations on climate. And one of the things I noticed uh, really early on is that uh, people need to hear about solutions. Um, I, think it's, I think there's a fair amount of uh, psychological literature out there that if you just present to people a terrible problem and you don't show them that there's a way forward they almost literally just can't hear you. And yeah. uh, so I always see lots of light bulbs go off when I start talking about the solutions because people realize, you know, we're, we not only can we do this, in some respects, we're already setting foot on that path. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, one of the first things I say is, uh, folks, don't, don't raise the bar so high that you can't, you know, that you can't even begin on this path. I I have to uh, fault uh, some of our, uh, you know, uh, very enthusiastic environmental advocates for sometimes making it sound like, oh, my gosh, we're going to have to uh, go back to living in caves and riding on donkeys and give yes, up our computers. Yes. And, and yes. of course, this is, this is uh, not true at all. What we have to do is stop generating energy uh, with uh, fossil fuels, and fortunately, uh, there are alternatives. In fact, the planet is is bathed in energy and is swimming in energy, uh, <sighs> which comes which comes from the sun. I'm relaxing and, already. Oh, good. Um, <laughs> and uh, it turns out that uh, in many places around the world, we are uh, we're seeing a, what can only be called a revolution. Um, uh, the last time we had a real technological revolution that many people might remember is when the internet got started back in the early nineties. And you'll remember we went from, uh, you know, hardly anybody had a computer or even knew why you would want one to just over the course of a few years, we were all on our computers four or five hours a night and can't live without them. Uh, <laughs> there is a similar revolution that is revving up right now in terms of renewable energy. In fact, it is so, uh, it is so uh, 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 important that even the electric utility industry, which generates uh, so much of our power using fossil fuels, uh, has with its, uh, with its think tank, the Edison Electric Institute, kind of uh, uh, put everybody on notice that the uh, the emerging renewable energies, in particular uh, solar and wind energy, are coming on so strong and dropping in price so rapidly that uh, it really threatens to to kind of break the model uh, that our uh, energy industry has been running on for the last 120 years or so. Uh, the best example I can think of is uh, remember when, uh, when cell phones uh, first came out uh, they were kind of clunky. They were like bricks, and and you, yeah. you you know you could weren't very many places you could use them, and you thought, well, who would who would who would want such a thing? But 
but the uh, now uh, any phone company that has just stuck to uh, being uh, involved in just landlines, they've they're gone away. They've gone bankrupt or they've been bought out because yeah. everybody's going to cell phones all over the world. And that's very much like what's happening with solar energy. Um, and I'm talking about uh, so-called photovoltaic solar, which is the kind that you put uh, on uh, on your roof or on an open space somewhere, and the sunlight hits it and it turns into little electrons, little flow of electricity. And uh, even five or six years ago, most people thought this was going to be so expensive that uh, it would be a long time before it would make an impact. But but the prices have dropped so rapidly that uh, in in places around the country and around the world uh, where uh, uh, there's good solar resource or where uh, electricity is already quite expensive, the solar is just coming on like gangbusters and uh, so much so that uh, utility executives are starting to... Uh, uh, really get worried that their their big uh, coal-fired and gas-fired and even nuclear-fired power plants uh, will will be uh, uh, outcompeted and and be made obsolete uh, in in the not too distant future. So uh, we can look at, for instance, Germany, uh, which has had really good uh, forward-leaning policies in place for the last 20 years or so. On one particular day in this past June, uh, which was a was a nice sunny, windy day in Germany, uh, and remember, Germany is the uh, is the most profitable capitalist economy on the planet per capita. Uh, really, they're, they're one of our major competitors, industrial competitors. Uh, on that day in June, seventy five percent of all the electricity in Germany came from renewable energy, primarily solar and wind. So uh, they're actually having days in Germany where the price of electricity, there's so much electricity that the price actually goes negative. The utility has to pay you to take the power because there's so much electricity online. Now that doesn't happen every day, but it is happening regularly. And it shows you that with good policy, uh, the um, the volume of electricity that can be generated is uh, is not trivial. It, it's a lot, and so that's coming to America with uh, some of the new business models, in particular, that are coming out. Now, many many people have heard of Elon Musk, who who originated the the Tesla motor, the the electric car uh, that everybody's talking about, the the most uh, most highly reviewed car of the last. Uh, uh, several decades. Uh, he also has a company called Solar City. Uh, and Solar City's model is that you get solar panels on your roof for free. They put them on for free. And so this overcomes uh, immediately the biggest objection, which is the upfront cost of solar. And then what happens is you start generating power, your electric bill goes way, way down. And then you just you pay for those solar panels out of the savings, basically, that you make in your electric bill, and, and you're, you're still your total costs go way, way down. So uh, what's, uh, that is uh, in the states where that's being applied, particularly in the West, uh, in California, for instance, uh, solar 
uh, installations are absolutely exploding and um, much more rapidly than anyone would have dreamed just a few years ago. And um, Peter, I read recently that Solar City is now also uh, creating a new uh, buying program. So they're developing different financial models for how people could get into solar. Yeah, we're at we're at the level now where the technology is essentially there, and the big breakthroughs in in continuing price reductions will be in in kind of the business model and cutting through the 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 red tape and 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 developing a uh, a generation of uh, installers and and uh, technicians who really understand the technology and and are better and better and better at it uh, all the time. I feel so bad because I called a company and asked them to install solar at my house, and he said, I have too much shade. <laughs> uh, and, and don't feel bad about that. I mean, I, I live on a shady street myself. Uh, I live in the upper Midwest, and uh, we, we haven't quite hit the price point uh, there yet, but we will very soon. Uh, there, there's also uh, wind power. A wind power is uh, growing uh, at an amazing rate across the country, uh, and, and uh, in fact, it is much cheaper uh, wind power than we thought it would be just a few years ago. Uh, in my own state of Michigan, uh, just uh, five or six years ago, we thought wind power was going to cost uh, about triple of what it actually does. And I won't. No get into kidding. I won't get into the kilowatt hours and all the numbers, but basically it's coming in at less than a third of what we thought it would be just uh, uh, a year or so or five or six years or so ago. I recently interviewed um, uh, some utility executives in Austin, Texas. Austin has its own electrical power generating utility, and they're very forward-leaning, and they've invested in a whole lot of... Uh, solar and wind, and of which Texas has an abundance. And he told me some very, very interesting uh, facts. Uh, first of all, uh, they, they just contracted, negotiated a contract for a large amount of uh, what we would call utility solar. It means it's not on your rooftop, it's on somebody else's rooftop, or it's in a big, uh, it's out in a field somewhere in West Texas. And the price of that uh, five cents a kilowatt hour is lower than coal, lower than gas. Get this. It's cheaper than gas in Texas, right? Ah. And it's cheaper. It's cheaper than nuclear. It's cheaper than anything out there. So this is a, this was a revolution. This was a huge moment. Okay. And this is happening right now in Texas. At the same time, Texas is bringing on huge volumes of wind energy. They just completed a a giant transmission system uh, from the west to the east uh, in Texas where all the population is, and they're bringing in enormous amounts of wind energy uh, to uh, the eastern part of Texas, the populated areas, and that is also very inexpensive uh, power. And it, it's, a, it's really uh, it's a story that a whole lot of people don't know about, but uh, I can tell you, uh, you bet, uh, utility executives know about it because it is because it's turning their business model upside down. This is, I mean, to me, there's something so symbolic about this, Peter. And 
which connects to what all of our guests are, are saying, that there are solutions to these problems, and we don't know. Laura was talking about things that we don't know. You're talking about things that we don't know, I mean, the, from the solution side, and yet they already exist, and somebody knows about them. You know, the utility companies sure know about them, and uh, there is something that's blocking us as a collective of, you know, in our society uh, from taking on climate change, even with the technology we already have, because maybe it's not perfect, but we don't have to wait for nuclear fusion uh, to actually start to take on fossil fuels. And uh, it's it's like we're in some kind of, um, I don't know, in a, in a cave and the sun is shining, <laughs> but we're in the cave and we don't know it. And when I, when I say that I relax immediately when you start talking about the sun, it's like, oh, my God, the energy is here and we have the technology. Sure, we're going to have better technology as we go forward, but we already have enough knowledge and technology. What we seem to be lacking is the will and the organization, the the economic organization where people are going to begin to realize that this is good for them. So just like it's healthier for us to eat good food, and it is also, and delicious food, by the way, and I really suggest you take a look at Laura's book, and, but it is also good economics for us to get away from fossil fuel and so that you don't have to only be concerned about the you know, the polar bears, although I personally am concerned about the polar bears because <laughs> I think humanity is kind of arrogant, like we only think about ourselves. But, but just in terms of dollars and cents and the air we breathe, we have an opportunity for a better life, just like the Internet has brought us so much power and so much freedom, but it has broken up the monopolies of information where at one time only a couple of networks controlled all the information. Now, for better or worse, we have the Internet with all kinds of crap out there, but with a lot of good information too. And what, what you're talking about is a revolution, not just in the way we produce it uh, in terms of, well, we're going to the sun versus fossil fuel, but you're also talking about how we produce energy in our homes, which is a decentralization of power. And that's really exciting. And obviously, at the same time, there are old traditional ways of doing things that we have to start thinking, well, wait a minute, just because we've been doing this for 50 years or 100 years doesn't mean, or 1,000 years doesn't mean we have to continue to do that. But we have to get people not only excited, but realizing that they can benefit from doing this, that this is the surge of the future. You can't hang on to the newspaper industry without also recognizing that news is going to be online. And if you do that, you're going to be defunct. So we have to go to our next commercial break, but I can't wait to come back with all of you. And I think our, our next guest, of course, is uh, Kelsey, and I'd love for her to talk about what the outreach that she's already doing, the kind of impact that she's already having, and what are the political issues that seem to be getting in the way of our taking on global warming. So stick with us. We'll be right back.
The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Bring Beth into your world in person or via the Internet. Learn how by visiting her website, bethgreen.org. At the website, sign up for her newsletter to keep abreast of her latest activities, blogs, videos, and more. Just for signing up, you'll receive a free PDF copy of Living with Reality, her 688-page volume that helps us understand ourselves in relatable terms, as well as offers a proven program to heal and co-create a better world. But there's more. Learn about Beth's four other books, both fiction and nonfiction. Check out her gorgeous music, which is heartfelt and mystical. Become acquainted with Beth and James's programs for healing and training, and discover their community, the Stream Center for the New Spirituality, which welcomes you wherever you are in the world. All this and more can be found at Beth's website, www.bethgreen.org. Again, that's bethgreen.org. Become a member of VoiceAmerica.com. It's easy and best of all, it's free. Start out by going to our homepage or any of our channels and click register at the top. Once you've created an account and signed in, you can create your own custom library, opt into our newsletter, search by show, host, guest, or topic of interest, or browse millions of hours of content across all of our Voice America radio channels. Membership gets you more. Visit VoiceAmerica.com today to get started and tailor the listening experience to your taste. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings of the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our wall. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. For 27 years, KidStar has empowered thousands of kids across the country. And now we have the opportunity to empower children around the world. KidStar is announcing a new radio show called Voyage Earth. Voyage Earth will empower kids from across the world. KidStar has created a Kickstarter campaign just for this new undertaking. By pledging to Kickstarter, you pledge for a future of empowered people to come. My name is Raina, and I'm a producer on Voice America Kids. I want to thank you for being a backer of our Kickstarter, Voyager. Kickstar, we empower kids. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Be extraordinary. Be the change. You're tuned in to Inside Out with Beth Green and co-host James Maynard. To reach us on the show, please call 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. If you'd rather send us an email, the address is beth at bethgreen.org. Now, back to Inside Out. Welcome back to the Climate Opportunity. Well, I hope that you guys are inspired and excited by what we've already learned today and Obviously, there are solutions, and for some reason, people aren't getting that. You know, they're not seeing it. 
you guys who are listening to this program, maybe you've already been very interested in global warming and you already know all of this, but maybe you don't know all of this and maybe you know a lot of other people who don't know all of this. And I hope that as our podcast becomes available, that you tell your friends, send them the link, let them know about the hope and the empowerment of this conversation that we are taking on the way we've been doing things, but we can do it and that we can help our planet and we can improve our lives, our economy, our health, all of that. I mean, who wants, to, who wants to smell fumes when they walk down the road? I'll tell you, we live in a place called Josephine County here in Oregon. Beautiful, gorgeous trees. And by the way, my true, true, I don't feel too bad, Beth, about you can't do solar power is that the guy from the power company said, but you have so many trees here that you're a carbon sink, which means that you're absorbing carbon dioxide and creating oxygen for the planet. So that may be, that's another way that you can improve the, the, uh, the planet by having trees. Boy, that made me feel good. So, um, but the, the fact that, that all of this is available to us now and that we can improve our lives because in Josephine County, they're, they don't smog cars. So here I am walking in the forest, you know, down the road, and there's somebody with this unbelievable pollution coming out of the car, and nobody's thought there's nothing to do. You can't stop them. So, I mean, it's all of us are being damaged. Our health is being damaged. The poor miners who have been dependent on the coal industry, it's not just what we're doing to our planet, but what we're doing to our workers and the people who are also being exposed to nuclear waste. I mean, on so many levels, this is a turning point for us for well-being, for ourselves, for our planet, for our wildlife. All of that is possible, but we've got to get more of this message out. And you guys at home or in your car or wherever you're listening to the show, you can be part of the solution just by clicking on, you know, like on Facebook and or sending an email to your friends or letting them know about this program. You can do so much to help educate the planet by passing on this information. And so speaking about education and reaching out, I'd love to hear now from Kelsey Worth. Kelsey, please talk about what you're doing with, with mothers. Right. Thanks, Beth. Um, so again, Mothers Out Front is really about engaging mothers in addressing climate change. Um, it's about spreading public awareness. It's about involving mothers in campaigns to pressure our leaders to do the right thing. So taking a step back from that, we have found that mothers have really a range of feelings about climate change, um, mm-hmm. from a sense of unease to a sense of deep despair. Uh, but they also have a deep, visceral, driving desire to protect their children. Again, we all know that a mother will throw herself in front of a bus for her children. Mm-hmm. So the question is what to do with that. And, and as Peter has said, and, and you have pointed out as well, Beth, um, if there isn't a path to action, if there isn't something that people feel they can do that's meaningful and contributes to solving the problem, they would prefer to put it away in a little black box and just not think about it. You know, yes. In other words, they will deny it. Yes. Um, so, so our goal is to take it out of the black box, take the concern about climate change, and channel all of that energy um, into action. So... Our goal is 
as society is to transition away from fossil fuels as quickly as possible. This is the only way to address climate change. We recognize there is tremendous urgency. The decisions we make in the next 10 to 20 years will determine the future for our children, our grandchildren, and generations to come. So my children's future will be defined by the decisions that we're making today. And it's a question of whether their future will be defined by opportunity and possibility the way mine was, or instead by defined by the need to respond to the impacts of climate change. It's a pretty stark choice. Um, yes. So, so ultimately, we have to build the political will to address this problem. If you, as you were just describing, Beth, and, and Peter was, was, went through a whole you know, litany of solutions out there. There are solutions. We are missing the political will. And one of the things that's gone unsaid so far in the program is that there is a powerful industry out there with a very strong vested interest in defending the status quo. Yes. Um, and, and that is largely the fossil fuel industry. It's not everybody in the fossil fuel industry, but it is a large percentage of that industry and others associated with the same interest in protecting the status quo. Um, and, and that is something we need to address. So, so as important as it is um, to take personal action to reduce our own consumption of fossil fuels, to vote the right way, which is also really important, Ultimately, we have to shift the political landscape. We have to join with others. We have to aggregate our individual choices, our individual power, and build a movement that pressures our leaders to do the right thing. So here, to get a little bit more concrete, uh, Mothers Out Front started in Massachusetts. Um, We're soon going to be expanding our work into other states. Here in Massachusetts, we started about a year and a half ago. Um, we are engaging mothers through house parties. We've had 140 house parties across the state. We have 11 community teams that are all volunteer-led and volunteer-driven. Um, we have reached about 1,000 mothers have attended a house party. We have 200 active volunteers. And in February of this year, we launched our Massachusetts campaign. And our Massachusetts campaign, which is called Power Up for Our Children's Future, is about making the right energy choices for our children's future. And we operate at three levels. At the individual level, very concretely, we are asking people to switch their houses to clean electricity, which if we aggregate individual switches, we can shift the demand for clean and renewable energy in New England. Um, at the community level... Our community how, how did they get this clean electricity, it's, Kelsey? It's very easy. You can do it through your existing utility. There's a service whereby you can switch to clean electricity, which isn't about changing the electrons coming into your home, but it's about... It, it gets a little bit complicated, but you're essentially purchasing clean energy, uh, renewable energy credits uh, that are equivalent to the energy you're using. So by doing so, you're increasing the overall demand for renewable energy. So that you don't have to have it in your house. If you can't do that, your utility may have a program where you can buy clean electricity. Exactly. That's exactly See, that's right. so good to know, isn't it? Yes, and, and it's, it, it doesn't exist in every state, but it exists in a lot of states. So at the individual we're do, level, we're doing that. At the community level, our community teams are working with communities to get le- our le- community leaders to make the same switch and to get 
our businesses and municipal buildings to make the same switch. And at the statewide level, we have an ask of Governor Deval Patrick, which is to commit Massachusetts to meeting its new energy needs with only clean and renewable energy and drawing the line against uh, bringing in more fossil fuel to the state to meet future energy needs. So, so it's, it's by operating at these three levels, the individual, the community, and the statewide level, that we are building power and building the political will so that we are actually making the right decisions for our children's future. And what kind of opposition have you encountered? Well, so far, uh, interestingly, the opposition has really been um, largely from elected officials and people who work with them who believe that they have done enough. So, interestingly, (laughs) here in Massachusetts, we are the leader in energy efficiency. Uh, This administration, the Patrick administration, has done a lot of good things when it comes to addressing uh, climate change. The governor signed into law the Global Warming Solutions Act, which set the most aggressive targets in the country for addressing um, climate change uh, in terms of greenhouse gas reductions. Um, there's a Green Communities Act and a couple of other important pieces of legislation. And so we've taken a lot of important steps in this state, and more than most any other state out there, with the exception possibly of California. And yet, given the science, it simply is not enough. Yeah. And there, if you look across the country at leadership in elected office, there are very, very, very few um, officials who are taking the sort of bold action that we know is needed. If you look at the science, you look at what our children and grandchildren are going to be facing, there are very few leaders who are taking the sort of action that we know is necessary to protect our kids. Yes, and I think that what you're doing is so crucial because the elected officials will bow to the will of the people if they think that they're, they're, the, the election's at stake. Uh, I know there are many, many, many politicians who are extremely aware of global warming and yet will not speak out. And yeah. they, they don't feel, it's like, you, you know, I, okay, I'm a spiritual teacher, right? I'm not a scientist. I'm not a chef. I'm not a mom. Uh, I'm, you know, I'm not, not a, I'm not a, a video blogger. Um, I'm a spiritual teacher. And what I know is I know people and I understand the way we operate and that what we're talking about with climate change is exactly the same issue that we're facing about everything. Everything that we're doing that damages ourselves and our planet, whether it's the way we eat or how much we drink or what we drink or the attitudes or the energies that we carry or the, uh, you know, the anger, the, uh, the, the way we live our lives, uh, there's so much that we need to change. And we, we can do that, but we need the support from one another to do it. If you, if you know you're an alcoholic, for example, you go to Alcoholics Anonymous because you're going to get the support from other alcoholics who are going to help you to stop drinking. But if yeah. you don't go to Alcoholics Anonymous, you're going to go to a bar with your friends and you're going to end up 
drunk and lose your family. And it's really the same thing. I mean, I have seen this. You know, what, what does it take? You say, okay, well, you lost your job. Uh, you lost your wife. You lost your children. You lost your house. You've lost your health. Are you ever going to stop drinking? And without that support from other people, it's so easy. We as individuals just don't have that much strength within ourselves. And I'm not saying this critically. I'm just saying that in, in general, that is the case. There's always those few people who can break out from the crowd. But it's not the way people are social animals and we need each other's support. Yeah, so I, I think that's exactly right. And, and, and that is really one of the major primary premises of our work, which is that we're inviting people to join this movement. We're inviting them to join this community and we can draw strength from one another as we really push to solve one of the world's, you know, one of the greatest challenges that's ever faced human society. It's probably the ultimate challenge. That, I mean, to me, the ultimate challenge is consciousness, you know, which is the way we are and the way we behave. But on the external level, uh, climate change is the ultimate problem for humanity because we are, we're either going to create a better future or a worse one. Right. <laughs> So, and the politicians need our support. If you think about it, when you speak up or you organize or you get together with others, it not only supports you, but it helps those people who in their hearts know that this is true. It's like ending the Vietnam War. You see, I'm of a certain age, right? So I remember that struggle very, very well, which is uh, you had hundreds of thousands of people in the street, so many people saying no. So many people fighting, and that gave support to the rise of a political movement, yeah. uh, which was, I mean, it was too late, if you ask me, you know, after so much destruction, but at least finally it came to an end. And one of the most exciting things is the fact that, and, and I don't know if everybody in our audience knows that, there were over 400,000 people marching in New York about climate change. I think you were there, Kelsey. Yeah, that's right. We had about 200 people there from, from, from Boston uh, with mothers out front at that rally. But it was, it was very exciting. And I, and I think it, um, you know, the, it is a sign that there is momentum out there. It's, this is not going to be, it's not a sprint, it's a marathon. Uh, we need to start changing, you know, how we produce and use our energy now. Um, and I think the broader movement out there continues to gain momentum, and we will need to see a lot more of it before uh, before we see our political leaders taking the sort of action that we need them to be taking. Well, that is so true. It takes years and years and yeah. years to build up the will for any kind of change. But it can happen. There was a time that people could smoke in public places and nobody said anything about it. And now most of us live in places where, you, you know, they can't smoke in public places. So things change. Yes. Things change. We have to remember that things have changed. We did have slavery in the United States. You know? <laughs> that things change. It takes a lot of blood. It takes a lot of guts. But things change. And it starts within us. And it go spreads out from there. We are going to take our last commercial break. Uh, but stick with us because we have one more segment to go and I'm looking forward to finding out what we're going to do. The 7th Wave Channel 
on the Voice America Network. Bring Beth into your world in person or via the Internet. Learn how by visiting her website, bethgreen.org. At the website, sign up for her newsletter to keep abreast of her latest activities, blogs, videos, and more. Just for signing up, you'll receive a free PDF copy of Living with Reality, her 688-page volume that helps us understand ourselves in relatable terms, as well as offers a proven program to heal and co-create a better world. But there's more. Learn about Beth's four other books, both fiction and nonfiction. Check out her gorgeous music, which is heartfelt and mystical. Become acquainted with Beth and James's programs for healing and training, and discover their community, the Stream Center for the New Spirituality, which welcomes you wherever you are in the world. All this and more can be found at Beth's website, www.bethgreen.org. Again, that's bethgreen.org. Tune into the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. For 27 years, KidStar has empowered thousands of kids across the country. And now we have the opportunity to empower children around the world. KidStar is announcing a new radio show called Voyage Earth. Voyage Earth will empower kids from across the world. KidStar has created a Kickstarter campaign just for this new undertaking. By pledging to Kickstarter, you pledge for a future of empowered people to come. My name is Raina, and I'm a producer on Voice America Kids. I want to thank you for being a backer of our Kickstarter, Voyager. Kickstar, we empower kids. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. Now you can take your favorite Voice America radio program with you anywhere. Sign up for our mobile app if you have an iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry. The Voice America interactive radio player, powered by Aircast, gives you the freedom to listen to any of our programs anywhere, live, and on demand. No registration is required. Listen to your favorite Voice America hosts and discover new ones. Download the Voice America mobile app for iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry, powered by Aircast. Visit the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Be visionary. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. You're tuned in to Inside Out with Beth Green and co-host James Maynard. To reach us on the show, please call 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. If you'd rather send us an email, the address is beth at bethgreen.org. Now, back to Inside Out. Welcome back to The Climate Opportunity, how we are going to help ourselves while we're improving our climate and 
I would like to right now ask my co-host Grant Dean to talk about how he was feeling when he came into this program and how he's feeling now because he shared a little bit with us. So take it away, Grant. Well, thanks, Beth. It's interesting when Beth and I first started talking about uh, about climate change, I would tell her how I, as a scientist, feel so despondent about the situation. I feel that scientists uh, we're working as hard as we can to try and understand the problem so that we can create accurate models so that we can gaze into these crystal balls and say, look, we've got a pretty good idea now of what's what's going to happen. But it's such an uphill struggle. And I've personally had interactions with people where I'll be sitting on a plane and they'll say, what do you do? And I'll say, well, I, I study. I'm a scientist. I, I'm trying to figure out what's happening with the earth, with climate. And they they get very angry. <laughs> they say, oh, you're, you're one of those people. And it, well, I personally need to connect with people who believe in solutions, who believe that we can change our behaviors, that believe we can do it and do it well and thrive as we're doing it and want us all to succeed. You know, the, the age of being fearful and the age of burying our head in the sand uh, it would be good if that came to an end. And, and just personally, I would like it if, if we stopped shooting the messenger. That would, that would also be good. So I am feeling great. I feel like there are so many people uh, just as committed, just as uh, committed to finding solutions. And in all different ways, whether it's through cuisine or whether it's through political activity or whether it's through uh, informing the public. And uh, I'm feeling really good. And now I'm starting to wonder, well, how can we all start helping each other feel good about this? How can we connect these different efforts together so that we can feed off this positive energy and support each other as we move forward? Any ideas? Anybody? Any of my guests? Well, uh, uh, this is Scott. Um, yeah. And yeah. I, I wanted to point out that if people have uh, have heard conflicting messages about climate change, about the science of climate change, um, there is actually a wonderful opportunity to hear uh, about this from real scientists that I, I'm happy to promote a little bit. Um, Please I do. In, invite your listeners to go to a website called climatevoices.org. Um, climate Voices is a, is a wonderful program that matches up real scientists who can speak clear, clearly about this issue with audiences, with, with uh, for example, if you have a, a church group or a school or some sort of uh, public uh, organization and you want to hear from uh, real climate scientists about this issue, go to climatevoices.org. It's a tremendous resource uh, to hook up with local scientists in your area and, and hear from them. Um, the, the people that have volunteered for this are doing it, you know, basically, um, because it's the right thing to do. We're volunteers. We don't charge money. We're legitimate experts. We're not going to lecture to you. Uh, we're going to have a conversation with you. And, uh, we, even if you don't find somebody in your own community, who's on climatevoices.org, uh, we also can do this virtually as we're doing right, right now. So, um, it's just a, a, a chance for people to connect with experts in their local area and, and, and hear more to try to cut through all the conflicting messages. I am so glad you brought that up, Scott. And I want to acknowledge uh, Climate Voices because 
And this is amazing how this all came about. You know, when uh, Grant and I said, well, let's, uh, let's do something on climate change, he said, well, I'm sorry, but I'm going to the Arctic now. And I was left with this, oh, my God, what am I going to do? I don't know anything about putting together a panel on climate change. And um, Grant sent me a link to Climate Voices. And I contacted Climate Voices, and I met an absolute angel called Cindy Schmidt. And I want to rec- I want to acknowledge her on this program. And through Cindy, I have gotten connected to all of you, directly or extremely indirectly. She may have sent me to this one, who sent me to that one, who sent me to the other one, who finally sent me to you. But she she has she was right there the whole time supporting this program. And so I'm glad you mentioned that. And I really want to acknowledge Cindy personally for all the work that she did to put together this panel (laughs) behind the scenes. Bless you. (laughs) Thanks. Any other thoughts? Grant, were you going to say something? May I, may I jump in? uh, Oh, yes. Yeah. I I think uh, one of the, one of the, when people ask what they can do, uh, one of the key things that that I didn't quite get to is uh, I always say, Tell somebody, tell somebody, because um, uh, many people in the media think that uh, citizens in the United States in particular don't care about climate change. Mm. And we we see more and more in the in the polling. And I I pay a lot of attention to uh, polling on this issue that uh, a, a critical mass, a majority of people actually do care about climate change and they're willing to do something about it. And, you know, we've got an election coming up, folks. Um, uh, This is a good time to send a message to your representatives, uh, your local politicians, that uh, you do care and you should reward people who talk about climate change and talk about solutions and uh, maybe, uh, you know, ignore those people that that are still in the shadows. Um, Also, uh, your local your local newspaper, your Facebook page, your your Twitter feed, however it is that you interact with with your network. Maybe it's uh, your your church, your garden club, uh, your book club or uh, or just at the gym. Uh, Tell people that you're concerned about it, but also excited about the solutions. And that is is a tremendously powerful bit of leverage that all of us have. And I hope more people will will use. That's so true. The power is in the people. Ultimately, (laughs) it really is. And I read a poll recently, Peter, where it's people said they were willing to pay more for clean energy. Yeah. Go ahead. And, and, you know, the the fact that 400,000 people came out in New York City a few weeks ago uh, was not lost on the powers that be. Uh, you probably noticed uh, within a few days after that, if you were watching the news, you saw that uh, Google and uh, a number of other big Silicon Valley uh, Internet companies cut their ties to yes. a very well-known uh, climate denial group called ALEC, uh, which has just uh, been a, a real uh, terrible source of disinformation. And now people are running from them because they get it that the the tide is really turning on this issue, and uh, those those folks that are seen as standing in the way of solution are are not going to fare well in coming years. And didn't I read that the Rockefeller Empire is taking their money out of dirty energy? Out of out of oil, yeah. Out of uh, oil, the Rockefellers that they made their money on oil. Right. 
Right. So, so, so we're we're at kind of a hinge moment in history. So don't don't think for a moment that there isn't a, a tremendous opportunity for for making change and for hastening this transformation. It's it's happening. We need it to happen faster, and that'll happen as more people jump in and make their their wishes known. And well, you know, there, Beth, yes. Sorry, I have a crazy idea. Go ahead. How, oh, all right. How about a citizens' climate summit? A citizens' climate summit, not a scientific summit, not a political summit, not a corporate summit, but a citizens' climate summit, where uh, people who are interested in making change and can come together and we can enjoy each other's passion and energy and we can brainstorm on solutions and we can find out who we all are and we can talk about the problem. And, you know, there was a big summit about the ozone uh, issue in Australia uh, last century. And there was an impassioned speech by who? By the, by the youth, a, a representative of the next generation stood up in front of the political and scientific delegates and said, we are the generation who are going to have to deal with these problems. And we need you to do something about this now. And um, so let's get our youth involved and uh, let's have a summit. <laughs> Let us know when you have it. <laughs> Go out and organize it. I, you know, that's a great idea. Uh, by the way, I'd like to point out that the organic revolution has taken a long time. And now you see organic food in the supermarket, don't you, uh, Laura? We vote on this issue three times a day, most of us, <laughs> most of us, many more than that. And um, it, the foods that are best for ourselves are also the foods that are best for the planet and for the animals. So when we eat, when we treat ourselves well and eat healthfully, we're doing the same thing for the planet and the animals. And um, I, I, you know, I encourage everybody, no matter what diet or not you're following, if you're gluten-free or Atkins or high-carbo, low-carbo, paleo, whatever you might be, the bottom line is eat more vegetables and learn about how to do that. Um, don't. We don't boil and steam all of our meats, do we? So why do we boil and steam all of our vegetables? We need to learn to treat our vegetables more like meat. We need to caramelize our vegetables and bring out their secrets. And the secret of a vegetable is that vegetables are sweet. And that takes a temperature of 330 degrees Fahrenheit or higher. And water boils at 212. So we don't want to be boiling and steaming vegetables to bring out our sweetness. We want to be stir-frying and grilling and broiling and sautéing. And the other thing we want to do is sharpen our knife. Learn how to keep your knife sharp. It's not about sharpening it all the time. For every half hour of cutting, you want to bring out that honing rod or stick that's in your knife wrap that you got when you got married or graduated from college and you haven't pulled out since, uh, since that time. It's sharpen your knife, and you'll be able to cut more vegetables. And if you eat more vegetables, you will naturally be attracted to vegetables with better quality, better taste. So you'll be supporting those that are grown on a better, with better agriculture. And then you'll have something else to eat besides meat um, because that's what we eat is vegetables when we cut down on the amount of meat that we eat. You know, every time you open your mouth, I learn something. I would like you to share, because believe it or not, we don't have very much time left on this program. Laura, tell us, but every, all of my guests have biographies. Uh, if you go to the Inside Out uh, host page, all my guests have biographies. You can look at them, and they have websites 
listed on their biographies. But Laura, just how do people find out more about what you're doing? Well, definitely good. You can check out the book. It's probably at your local library, Cool Cuisine, Taking the Bite Out of Global Warming. It has 50 recipes that basically tell the story of the problems and the solutions of, of food and global warming. And, um, uh, and say yeah, your website on the air. What, what's your website? Um, LauraStack.com is my website, and I do a lot of stuff in schools. So I encourage people to definitely take the issue to schools. There's there's all kinds of opportunities for um, for trained chefs and for non-trained chefs to go into local schools these days and teach kids how to cook. And God knows everyone knows needs to know how to cook, but certainly the kids are really uh, children eat vegetables. This, this whole thing that like, children don't eat vegetables. One, you have to bring out the sweet. The, I mean, the secret in them, which is that yeah. vegetables are sweet. And two, um, you know, if if you don't eat vegetables, your kids aren't going to eat vegetables. So. Uh. Learn how to make your vegetables season well. Variation causes us to eat more. The junk food industry knows this. That's why there are 15 types of flavors of Doritos. Create that (laughs) variety within healthy foods. If your healthy foods don't taste good, you're not doing it right. So get some food education. It's the one thing we do three times a day, and yet most of us have never been educated about anything in food. So please, get you know, search out a class. At least learn how to sharpen your knife. Go on the Internet to figure that out. I love that. Laura Steck, S-T-E-C. What about you? A final word from Peter about how people find you. Oh, yeah. You can find my blog, which I post to daily, climatecrocs.com. Uh, you can also go to yaleclimateconnections.org, Yale Climate Connections, uh, to access a whole lot of my videos. Or you can just search uh, Peter Sinclair Climate and you'll find... Uh, Many, 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 many links that I hope uh, will will help uh, answer some questions. You have got to see this Power Revolution video of Peter's. It is just inspiring. And uh, when I I saw that, I said, I've got to get that man on the show. (laughs) And let me see. And Kelsey, you have mentioned Mothers Out Front, and your website is? Our website is uh, mothersoutfront.org. Org. We have a very active Facebook page, Mothers Out Front, and um, like I thought, you know, I would encourage people, no matter where you live, to find out what's happening in your communities. Join with others. I think this is this is not a problem we're going to solve through individual action. Um, it, we have to join with others. That's how we build power. Um, and if you're in Massachusetts, please join us. If you're in New York, we're going to start organizing in New York next month in November, um, and we will be in additional states, two additional states in Q1 of 2015. So if you visit our website, we will be uh, posting there any announcements we have on that front, but we will continue to expand, and if you're interested in getting involved, please um, please let us know. Uh, we need everybody, everybody, we can, uh, everybody we can identify who's interested in joining in this effort. Amazing. We are out of time, but this has been such a rich conversation. I ask each one of us to look in our heart. What can we do? We've talked about things we can do individually. We've talked about things we can do collectively as a community. It's going to take all of that. Let's not be afraid. Let's look at the reality and confront it knowing that there are so many good people out there who are doing something. We can join with them. They can join with us and pass this program on. Thank you so much and God bless. 
Thank you for making us a part of your week. Listen for the next edition of Inside Out with Beth Green and James Maynard next Tuesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Have a great week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.